this is not related to the podcast, but send me your, when are you having your housewarming? I don't know. Send me your address. Bro. Send me your address, bro. I'm gonna send you a um, a late birthday slash housewarming gift. Shit, all right, cool. I got you. I'll text it to you right now. Yeah, send it to me, and I'll order it today. I was gonna order it yesterday, but um, I didn't want to pull a Chris and order it to myself and then ship it because I know it's gonna. I was gonna be like Chris, and it was gonna take me two months to get it to you. So I'll ship it directly to your address. Oh my God, man. What? That's really want to go to the children's museum with my daughter. Dude, I don't want to go anywhere. I just want to watch college football all day, man. I feel your pain, brother. Oh, I got to give you a zip, my bad. Fa la 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 la. Six three one three zero. Good old U City zip code, bro. Yep. All right, this is gonna be a good one. I have to get hype. I spent my time on the show notes. I did the show notes in advance, and we still two hours late to recording the podcast. Gotta love niggas. Ladies and motherfucker, color people time. <laughs> Late in the motherfucker, color people time. That boy said, Spanish girls say they know hable ingle, and everybody want to run to me for they single. <laughs> it's not even a word, but we knew exactly what he was saying. That nigga is a fucking legend. Yeah, bro. RIP, man. The real Kanye West. RIP. They cloned my mans, bro. They did, like they did Gucci. Oh, yeah. He said, it's over for you, Gucci clones. All right, you ready, bro? Yes, sir. Mike, check one, two, one, two. <clears throat> All right, I'm about to start. We are bike. Welcome to another episode of the Ace of Spades podcast. I am your host, Cam, a.k.a. the four-time champion, a.k.a. the Ace of Spades, Thanos, a.k.a. the Dynasty Demigod, a.k.a. Mr. Okay, I'm reloaded. And I'm in the lab with co-host Curtis, a.k.a. Kurt Cashy, a.k.a. the ace of spades, Tracy McGrady, a.k.a. Danny's big homie, a.k.a. Mr. Take Your Best Player and send you into a rebuild. Kurt, what's good, bro? What's up, man? Hey, if I win the league, bro, I got to be the Ace of Spades Iron Man from now on, bro. I mean, that's just... Damn, G. You know. Damn. You, you see, I see that's, snappy, not, bro. 
That's that's not where I, I thought you were going with that. I didn't think you were going <laughs> to take it as an opportunity to take a shot at me. I thought you were going to say, like, you got to go from the Ace of Spades Tracy McGrady to the Ace of Spades Kyrie Irving because Kyrie has a ring. I didn't know you would. I didn't know you were going to make it a personal attack on me. Well, I mean, if we're going to do basketball, I would prefer Anthony Davis, you know, the 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 less problematic teammate. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you like, problematic, bro. Nah, nah, bro. I'm a, I'm a good teammate, man. I'm not toxic like a. Uh, hey, hey, remember, remember you sent that four paragraph message to Rio after he called you a crackhead? Yes, he was incorrect. I mean, I just set the, you know, hey, and and he, bro, I was a little, I, I was also upset because the nigga waited until I went to sleep and then tried to come into the chat <laughs> with some jokes. Nah, bro, hey. crack your jokes while I'm here to defend myself. Hey. No one said anything after you sent that message, bro. Like, everybody was scared to talk. Hey, wait. Do I have a sound effect for that? This is what the chat was like. Why is it not working? Huh, all right. That's a failure on my part. I was trying to give you the cricket sound effect because that's what it was in the chat. But I don't think it's working because my headphones are queued up to my phone, too. Anyway, let's get into the actual uh, podcast here. We're going to go through a week six recap, week seven preview, way too early playoff predictions. And we're going to put a team under a microscope as well as update our power rankings. There was actually a lot of movement there. Let's jump right into it, man. As always, we're going to kick off the podcast with some NFL news and notes. Kurt. Antonio Brown. Honey bands, honey bands, honey bands. Dude, (laughs) he just signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady wanted his boy, Gronkowski. He got him, even though Bruce Arians didn't want to sign him. Tom Brady wanted his boy, A.B. He got him, even though Bruce Arians said there was zero chance Antonio Brown was going to sign because he didn't think it was a good fit. Dude, Bruce Arians is a fucking liar. But what do you think about this Antonio Brown news, bro? Just first glance. When you first found out about it, what did you think? I mean, bro, it's it's annoying, honestly. Uh as somebody who has Godwin in one league and Mike Evans in this one, it's like we already see how Tom Brady likes to spread the ball around. So it's like, what are we looking at here? Like four targets for everybody? Uh, that, bro. We want Jameis to come back and throw the ball to Mike Evans 10 times and Chris Godwin 10 times. That's what we like. Yeah, I think – I don't know. I guess you should be nervous as a Godwin or Evans owner because, I mean, you're already nervous about those guys if you own them anyway because of the target distribution. Now they add another pass catcher, and not just any pass catcher. They add arguably the greatest receiver of this era to the team, somebody who Tom Brady likes personally and loves on the field as well. We saw in a very, very brief stint in New England the – natural connection Tom Brady had with Antonio Brown. So I guess I would be nervous as well if I were an owner of Mike Evans or Chris Godwin. But speaking of Chris Godwin, I don't know how many podcasts we've set this on or I've mentioned this on, but bro, Elmo, do you remember the offers that Elmo was turning down for Godwin? And do you remember some of the offers that he was asking for, for Godwin? I do, man. And, uh, 
Yeah, I understand like that you want to get a lot in return for a player that produced like that. But some of the stuff that he was asking for, I think, was just a little too much. Kurt, I'll say this and we can move on. He asked more for Chris Godwin than he traded Lamar Jackson for. Yeah. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. Anyway, it's tour time, bro. Ryan Fitzpatrick has been benched. Kurt, we all saw the video that I sent to the Ace of Spades chat. Tua rolled out of the pocket to his left, threw an eight-yard out in the flat for Patrick Laird, the running back. Dude, Brian Flores looked at that eight-yard pass and said, oh, my fucking God, Tua's nasty. (laughs) Yeah, he said, oh, he's ready. It's time. (laughs) It's time. Hey, the look on Tua's face after he completed that little eight-yard pass, that nigga smirked. He said, bring me my money. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Uh, what do you think this means for the pass-catching weapons in Miami? What do you think this means for, for Gaskin as well? You think it changes his value at all? I, I don't remember what percentage of passes Tua checked down to the running backs at Alabama, but I don't think it was a lot. Um, if that is the case, then yes, I would say that it changes his value. Um, I think, I mean, I think this this improves the value of Preston Williams, if anything. Uh, <laughs> boy, boy, if you don't get your, uh, yeah, I'm, he's gonna be back on the block as soon as he makes a catch with Tua, bro. Uh, trust me, like uh, he's gonna be sitting right there. Oh, but no, um, in all seriousness. Uh, yeah, I don't really, I don't really know, man. I, I'm not really like super familiar with this like Miami offense. I've I've caught like some of what they've done since they've been on this three game win streak. Um, I'm surprised that they changed like that they made the change at this point. Like they they decided to make the change after like winning three games in a row. Um, yeah, that was weird. So so what, like let me let me ask you as somebody who followed Tua like probably more closely than I did in college. What do you think this does for somebody like Devontae Parker, who kind of seems to thrive on like those 50-50 ball situations? Uh, I don't think Tua is afraid to throw it up. Tua is the type of quarterback who locks in on his favorite receiver. We saw that with him and Jerry Judy for a couple years at Alabama. So I think it's going to be really good for one of these pass catchers. It just depends on which one. I don't think either Devontae Parker or Preston Williams is, you know, all worldly or that talented so we I mean I I really I really can't call it I think it's going to be a downgrade for both of these pass catchers at least in the interim just because I mean we don't really know what to expect from Tua because we just haven't seen him in full game action but it could potentially be a Justin Herbert situation where he elevates the play of those receivers but we won't know until we see him so I think the jury is still out but I, I think the proper precaution to take is to temper expectations for all those weapons until we see it in action. Anyway, Des Bryant lands on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad. Ray picks him up. Any comment? We don't care. We don't care. John Ross could be a trade target. The Bengals are shopping John Ross. He was the ninth overall pick, I think, in the 2016 draft. Any comment? Um, I would shop him too, but he's like, I don't know, injury prone. He doesn't have like consistent, uh, 
hands. I saw, like, I remember he was productive, like, for a certain amount of time last season, but I think it was because he was getting, like, a ridiculous amount of targets every game. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't really care about that about that too much either, honestly. I mean, <clears throat> maybe that's good for whoever has John Ross in our league. I don't even know. Like, Elmo, maybe? No, he's free. But, he's on he's on waivers. He's 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 you know, he could go somewhere and potentially try to resurrect his career, but he's already like twenty six. If he hasn't shown us anything this you know, at this stage in his career, I doubt, you know. Yeah. I, I doubt there's any league wide interest for him to be honest, but he's been a healthy scratch on a Bengals team that, you know, doesn't have a ton of talent. So I don't really care about this news either. Deshaun Jackson, injured again, just like every other game he plays in. Is he is he dust? Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yes, he, he's dust. Travis Fulgatron, a.k.a. the second coming of Christ. Dude, dude, he's he's Michael Thomas, bro. He's the new Michael Thomas. He's the wide receiver one for the Eagles. And when Jalen Rager gets back, Jalen Rager is going to be Travis Fulgatron's backup. What do you think about Fulgham, bro, in his first four starts in the NFL? You know, he's only – he didn't start playing until week four, so he only has four games under his belt. You know he's on pace for 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. That's a, that's that's an insane uh, stat there, man. Um, I actually think he's good, man, uh, from what I've seen. Like, he seems like uh, – yeah, like he's going to be a solid wide receiver for you. Um I've seen like people like players get off to like starts like this or, or whatever or have like you know um these games but <clears throat> we'll see what happens like you know once uh um the rest of the receivers for the Eagles get healthy but I mean Deshaun Jackson was out there last week and he's I mean well Thursday and he still got 11 targets so I don't know. I would be interested. I'm interested to see what's going to happen with uh, Fulgham. But I think, I mean, at the very least, like he's going to be uh, a starting caliber wide receiver for a while. Based this is, on what I've seen. This is this is why he's the real deal. It's not like a receiver who has been on a team and was called up from their practice squad after a couple of years of being in the system and knowing the offense. This dude came up off the street and they've been lining him up outside in the slot, flanker moving him around. They've been targeting him double digits every game. He's proven that he has sure hands. He can run smooth routes. He's a big body. He's 6'2", 215 pounds. He has good measurables. He's just a good receiver. He was just a hidden gem in the NFL. Like, there are there are a lot of. You just have to find him. And he got his opportunity. He's capitalizing. So when he mentioned things like when all the Philadelphia receivers come back healthy, I mean, what receiver of consequence is going to tra- – uh, uh, challenge Travis Fulgham is it is it going to be Alshon Jeffrey (laughs) honestly like yeah like giving him more thought like I don't I don't really know because I mean like that's been a problem for Philly for a while this is like probably the most consistent wide receiver play that they've seen like well easily over the past like two years but maybe Uh further back if I think about it um yeah, like even further back than that. So uh, yeah, I think dude is the real deal. I think he really has an opportunity here. I agree. I, th- I, th- I think he's legit. We spent a little time on that. Let's um, move to the rest of these. Tim Patrick over 100 yards for the second straight game. 
he's filling in for the Cortland Sutton role. But do you think this gives him a boost to dynasty value? He's operating as that team's wide receiver one over Jerry Judy, at least in terms of overall yardage per game. Um, yeah, give. I mean, yeah, it gives him a boost, I think. Yeah, me too. Keelan Cole, 143 yards last week. He's wide receiver 21 on the year. He's a legitimate wide receiver two play, even with DJ Shark there and LaVisca Chenault there. What do you think about Keelan Cole? Hmm. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I've seen like we've seen this from him before, right? Yeah, and he fizzled out. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't really know what to think about that. Yeah, this might be a this might be a sell high opportunity for Rio um, to a team that's that's needy for our receiver, especially since Rio now has a first round pick, and it's not going to look too crazy if he loses out or you know um, doesn't win a lot of games because at least he has somebody's first round pick, so he doesn't have to prove a point and try to make the playoffs, which you know he he isn't. So um, Joe Mixon out with a foot injury, Michael Thomas out with a hamstring injury, Aaron Jones game time decision with a calf injury. Matt LaFleur says they feel comfortable with A.J. Dillon if Jones can't go. Are we going to see – are we going to have an A.J. Dillon sighting? Are you excited to see, like, if this kid has any juice or what? Um, Excited? Not really. I mean, it, it'll be interesting. I'll like, keep an eye on it, but I don't really know what it will mean, like, for him going forward, even if he comes out and he performs well, you know? Like, does it mean that he's going to cut into the – Aaron Jones's production or like what? I don't, I don't really know. No, it, it means they aren't going to give Aaron Jones a contract. Mm. So is he up for contract this uh, year? This is a contract year. Oh, real. Come holla. Hey, if you have a good game, you can come holla at me. You know, I'm willing so, to pay like a hefty price for him. So that's why I'm excited to see AJ Dillon. I'm interested to see what they have in him. Because I think that's going to give dynasty owners uh, more of an indication on whether or not Aaron Jones is going to re-sign with the Packers or if they're going to let him walk in free agency. So I'm I don't wish injury on Aaron Jones, but if he is injured, I hope we can see a lot of AJ Dillon. I want to see what he has. I I, I don't think he's that good. I never did, but uh, I've been wrong plenty. So we'll see. Austin Hooper out for Week Seven with appendicitis. Ace of Spades, news and notes. Taxi squad is shut down again. I'll make manual adjustments one more time before the playoffs start, week 13. Let's talk about Ray. Ray is funny as hell, boy. This nigga reposted a trade when we were all roasting Elmo for not trading Chris Godwin once we got the news that AB signed. He sent Traquan Smith, Will Fuller, Marvin Jones, my 2022 first round pick and his 2022 second round pick for Chris Godwin. And he sent in the chat, thank God. Thank God for what? I trade his ass. <laughs> yeah, it's the three players that aren't very good. A pick that's not, a, 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 uh, and two picks that aren't very good. Like, bro, my 2022 first, that's the most insulting pick you can send somebody in a trick. My, not only is it my first, it's my first in 2022. So not only do you have to wait two years for it, it's, it's an early second round pick that trade, bro. Ray gets an attitude when you don't accept his garbage ass trades, bro. He sent me Deontay Johnson for Travis Fulgham. And it's not a, it's not a bad trade. Like I think Deontay Johnson is, I think he's a player, but then he hopped in a chat and he goes, I bet. 
you ain't shit. You know, you know, you know what Ray acts like, bro? Ray acts like he's from Port Arthur, Texas, and he a female. He said, <laughs> he said, he said, I, um, dude, I don't, I don't have to accept your trade, Ray. This nigga gets so butthurt when you don't accept his mediocre ass trades. Like, get off, get off your high horse, bro. You're not nasty at trades. You're not sending heat. Yeah, I think what Ray needs to do is like actually give his trade some thought and stop like relying on those calculator apps, bro. Because there's no way that he. He can't tell me that he thought that Will Fuller and Marvin Jones and uh, who was the other receiver that he put in there? Traquan Smith. And Traquan Smith. He he can't tell me that he thought that that was a good trade and, like, uh, without using the calculator to justify it. That's, that is the only way that he came to the conclusion that that was a nasty trade that Elmo just had to accept. I would take Chris, I would take Chris Godwin in a, in a bad situation for two years – I would rather have that than all of that shit he sent in that trade. This is the this is the problem with the calculator, the accumulation <laughs> of value with multiple assets. So, Kurt, let me ask you a question. Right. Would you rather have one Mercedes Benz or okay. five Toyota Camrys? I mean, the Benz. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that uh, is the that is the perfect analogy to describe trades that Ray tries to push. Do you want, you know, seven Priuses or one Lambo? I want the Lambo, bro. And yeah. you can't give me seven Priuses and say, dude, I'm giving you seven whips. Yeah. Like he's just like, dude, dude. Hey. Go ahead. And Marvin Marvin Jones, that's like the that's like a '98 uh, Toyota Corolla, bro. That's, that that, that man. man trying to send over there, bro. Man, to that's a, what's them trap cars we used to ride around in Chicago, bro? That's a, that's a motherfucking Chevy Lumina, boy. <laughs> and then peep this, bro. Will Fuller finishes throughout the first four years because he is having a good season this year. I'll give him credit for that. Wide receiver overall sixty one, overall wide receiver sixty one, overall wide receiver sixty nine, overall wide receiver fifty three. Dude, that's that's three wide receiver five finishes and one wide receiver four finish. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's three wide receiver six finishes and one wide receiver five, uh, five finish, bro. That's terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that dude is injured every year, so yeah, productive when he plays, and then he just doesn't ever finish a, a full season, so. Will Fuller's ass, bro. He's ass. Yeah. All right. All right. With 20 minutes in, let's pound through the rest of this, bro. But peep this. This is actually the funniest part of creating the show notes when I did this last night. And I was looking through every team and I was looking through every transaction that all GMs have made. I want everybody on the podcast to listen very closely to what I'm about to say. We're going to give you an update on the GM of the year race. Danny won this award last year for being the GM of the year. We took into account the draft. We took into account off-season moves, acquisitions from free agency, all of that. And the award or reward for winning GM of the year is a $100 cash prize. Again, this was awarded to Danny last year. Once we put all GMs under a microscope at the end of the season, we'll have the full depiction of this race once the season concludes. But, bro. You know who the front runner for GM of the year is this season once I actually did some digging? Bro, it's Rio. <laughs> it's fucking 
real, bro. So when I took into account all of Rio's moves from the draft forward, Rio got extremely lean. He trimmed literally every piece of fat off his team and declining assets. The only dynasty asset of consequence he got rid of was Nick Chubb, who is still a young running back in his prime, but he traded Chubb away for a guaranteed shot at a quarterback or a younger running back. And he got a young running back prospect in return. So let's look at Rio's three-year outlook after all the moves he made and let's see what draft capital Rio has to set himself up for success over the next few years. 2021, Kurt, he has a first round pick, a top six one potentially, two second round picks and two third round picks. So one top six pick, two top 24 picks, potentially two top 18 picks and two third round picks. In 2022, Rio has two firsts, two seconds, and two thirds. So we're always talking about all the picks that Rio has in 2023, but we skip over the fact that Rio actually has two first round picks in 2022 as well. And in 2023, Rio has four first round picks, one second round pick, and two third round picks. So over the next three years, Rio has seven first round picks. He has seven picks in the top 12. Bro, how did this how did this rebuild fly under the radar all season? I don't know. I think it was probably, you know, it <laughs> it, it was probably the, the debacle that took place in the offseason with the trades that needed to be vetoed and then, you know, uh all of, all of that nonsense kind of took away from what he actually was able to do. But <clears throat> um yeah, I mean, he has a lot of draft capital, and he got rid of uh, some of those old players that, you know, he needed to get rid of in order to do it. So I think that's, yeah, that's good. This is, this is, this is flawless execution of a rebuild. The only thing that could have made this rebuild better for Rio is if he didn't give up his first round pick in that trade with KB and somehow found a way to get rid of T.Y. Hilton, keep his first, and keep Nick Chubb. Whatever the series of trades that he needed to do to keep all those pieces intact, th- this is this is the this we call it Elmo's execution flawless in his rebuild, but we'll talk about why that isn't uh, in a couple moments, and we'll talk about why Rio's rebuild is actually a lot better when I got into the weeds and really really study these guys' transactions. So let's talk into who I consider, let's talk about, I'm sorry, who I consider to be in a close second. But you tell me what you think after we go through it, but Rio may be further ahead than Elmo than I'm giving him credit for. But let's talk about what Elmo's done. So I don't particularly love the Singletary trade that Elmo did. He sent a second round pick away for Singletary. I didn't like that trade. And I'm liking the DK Metcalf trade a little less for Elmo than I did when I offered it only because I didn't measure the risk factor of missing on that draft pick. And this is something that you brought up. You know, the fact that DK Metcalf is so young, similar to Rio's rebuild, he probably could have found a way 
to acquire another first round pick with maybe giving up J.K. Dobbins as opposed to giving up D.K. Metcalf? Because I've talked to you about this offline and I could be completely wrong about J.K. Dobbins, but Lamar Jackson targets the running back at, at, at a rate of less than 2%. So the value in the Ravens backfield is on the ground. And the fact that J.K. Dobbins is playing third fiddle to a 31-year-old Mark Ingram and Gus the bus, I don't really know how talented J.K. Dobbins is because in ambiguous backfields, Kurt, the young rookie running back with a ton of draft capital, they usually get a stranglehold on those jobs and it doesn't take half the season. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, J.K. Dobbins is looking kind of questionable as of right now, for sure. Yeah, and um, that was that <clears throat> he he got J.K. Dobbins as a result of that uh, Lamar Jackson trade, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I feel if we look at if we look uh, closely at that trade, I don't really think. You know, and I, I pretty much felt this way at the, at the time. I don't think that he got all that he should have or could have gotten uh, for Lamar Jackson. I think getting rid of him when he did was the right move. And I think that he did get a fair trade in return, but I thought that he probably could have got uh, a little bit more. But, I mean, I say that, right? But, like, I think about all of the teams that probably would have been interested in Lamar Jackson, and I don't think that there were, like, too many because I know – um, I really wasn't interested in Lamar Jackson uh, just based off of what I, w- I thought I would have had to pay to get him. What about you? Would you have traded for Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I contemplated sending him Tua and Joe Mixon at the beginning of the season. Okay. I like that better. Uh, that's a much, that's a much better, that's a much better trade for Elmo. Yeah. But um, um, Dobbins is a question mark right now. I agree. So yeah, the, you know, I like the, I still like the trade from a Revo perspective, Shane away, you know, a wide receiver who we don't, we think DK Metcalf has a ton of upside, but we still don't know. He's gotten off to a hot start to the season, but it's all projection based at the moment. He, he hasn't gone out and proven that he's a perennial wide receiver one or anything, but the upside is there. And so is the youth. So I still like the trade with Odell and the, the top six pick for DK, but uh, I like it a little less than, I did for Elmo when we first offered it. I don't like the Singletary trade, and I do not like the Lamar Jackson trade. I just don't like it. I think it was a fair trade, like you mentioned, but he should have gotten way more, and Daniel Jones is a bust for fantasy purposes and NFL purposes. So moving on, the only reason Elmo is trailing Rio is because Elmo actually gave up quality dynasty assets for his draft capital. Rio didn't have to. Otherwise, I like four first-round picks now way more than I like four first-round picks in 2023. For multiple reasons. I know for a fact this current draft class is stacked. So whether or not Elmo whiffed or didn't get the value in trades that he could have, he got four first round picks in a really, really good draft class. So let's talk about Elmo's three year outlook quickly. He has in 2021, four first round picks, two second round picks, should have been three, but he gave one up for a single Terry for some reason. No third round picks. In 2022, he has two first round picks, two second round picks, one third round pick. 
And in 2023, he has one first, one second, one third. All those things are are all the same. So he's he's essentially the inversion of Rio's team. So Rio has four first round picks. He has a quarter of that draft locked up in 2023. Elmo has a quarter of the draft locked up this year, which is which is insane to say. But both teams are in a position to where they're going to need every last single one of those picks. So it's always scary when you're looking at a team going into a draft saying they got fucking four first rounders. But first, you got to hit on them. And second, you have a lot of holes to fill. So both of these teams are primed for at least to put themselves in a position to be very successful in the future. They just have to execute a strategy well. Kurt, any last notes on these two teams? Um. Yeah, I did want to. I kind of skipped ahead on the the DK Metcalf thing that you mentioned because you were mentioning uh, the pick in terms of like what it could turn out to be, and I just start talking about the Lamar Jackson trade. But yeah, I think um, long like to to as quick as possible. I think you hold on to DK Metcalf if you're in a rebuild. He's 22 years old. He has a lot of, like a lot of upside. That's a player that you hold on to. You figure out another way to get you know uh to get a pick without trading away one of your 22 year old players. Yeah, I, I think I think it's the same with the Chris Godwin situation. We talked about this on a podcast, you know, uh a couple months ago now when we were talking about what assets Elmo needed to move. And I was telling him that he needed to move Lamar Jackson. And I was like, you keep Chris Godwin, right? Because Chris Godwin was 24. It was that same argument. You can keep the young players, especially the wide receivers, because you can expect to have, you know, five, six more years left on a player that's 24 years old. And for DK Metcalf, you can expect to have, you know, seven, eight more years left with that player. So I agree. If you can find a way to acquire another first round pick without giving up that asset, you do that. Um, they're still maturing in their process with trades the rest of the league. So I understand why you want to pull the trigger when you have, you know, a good offer on the table or an offer that you think you can capitalize on and benefit from in the future. Anyway, quick grade the trade. Carry on Johnson for a fifth round pick between Elmo and Tabron. Any thoughts? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't give a shit. All right. Week six recap cam versus Elmo. I said Elmo had a, a chance to win this game. He actually did. I won by like 18, 20 points. I moved to six and zero in head to head. Carried on the last undefeated left. Yeah, man. Um, I should have played you this week, bro. I mean, last week and not uh and not the, not Jamal, bro. You know what I have to say to that? Hell no. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, and uh, Elmo moves to zero six in head to head. Justin versus Tay Brown. We all called Justin to win this game. Justin moves to three and three at head to head. What do you, any quick thoughts about Justin's team so far this year? I mean, what, what, no, uh, we've already said enough, I think, or I have at least about Justin's team. I, I don't feel any differently than, you know, I felt for months, you know, at this point. I'm going to say something again, dude. You, <laughs> You you came into the season after you traded for Julio Jones and Zach Ertz and Keenan Allen and you you told me and Kurt and Rio and Danny you told us that we were getting smoked. You told us we were getting smoked and you said my time was up. You said it was my time to be on the outside looking in because you got 32-year-old Julio, 28-year-old Keenan Allen and 30-year-old Ertz. He said it was my turn. To, to be the, the little brother. You told me it was my turn. It's my turn. 
All right, that's my <laughs> that's my little shot at just my that's my my weekly shot at Justin right there. Tabron drops to two and four in head to head. Will Tabron get another win for the rest of the season, Kurt? Uh, he would be very lucky to get another win. I'll say that. He was really lucky to get the two that he got. Jamal was missing George Kittle when he played him, and then I forget who Tabron beat by a few points. Other than that, but uh, it's a surprise that he's gotten the two wins in, in six weeks that he has. But yeah, it's it's getting real for Tabron. And you know, the first few weeks of the season is already like super lucky, and there's a lot of variance throughout the first couple of weeks, especially in a COVID season because offenses were scoring a lot of points, and we saw a lot more anomalous performances at the beginning of the year, even more than we normally do at the beginning of the season. So, yeah, I think I think Tabron is in for a very rough rest of season. Kurt versus Jamal last week. Kurt, though, what happened, bro? You, you caught that hot L from Uncle <laughs> Shay Shays. What happened? Yeah, I actually, like, uh, thought I had a chance to lose this game. And I was right. Uh, I had a – man, I dropped the dud, bro. Um yeah, I don't really know. I mean, when I look, when I'm looking at my lineup and I don't see Kamara in there, I don't really feel like a super confident personally. So, super Camario. Yeah, this this was not, you know, obviously when bye weeks start, everybody has a chance to lose to everybody, but I want to give Jamal his credit. Bro, you, first of all, you're 5 and 1 head to head, you dropped your first game. Jamal is three and three in head to head. He's on a three game win streak. And before he started this three game win streak, he lost to Ray by three points by three points. He is a George Kittle injury away from being four and two and potentially five and one because he played Tay Brown without Kittle as well. He only lost one game that was completely out of reach. What do you think about Jamal's team? Pretty good, man. I mean, I think, you know, uh, I think the the most glaring weakness on his team is like his running backs. <clears throat> but other than that, I think he's solid, man. Like let's, take, else. Let, let's take a second in retrospect and bring it to the present. Jamal didn't think there was a chance that he could trade George Kittle for a running back like Nick Chubb. We didn't think Rio would ever do that trade. Guess what? Nick Chubb is on KOD. Jamal, let's get this deal done. Wait, wait, wait. We ain't getting no younger. We might as well do it. Kurt, might as well. M-I-N-U-S-W-E-L-L. Might as well. Jamal, we might as well do this trade, bro. He's a running back away from being a contender, but I'm not sure taking Kittle away from his team would be more than a wash. But from a roster construction standpoint, maybe he does desperately need a running back in. You know, the running back that he traded for, even though he got a ton of back-end draft capital uh, when he swapped his first-round pick for Joshua Kelly and a second, third, and fourth-round pick. Joshua Kelly's not looked as impressive as he did when I traded him away. So uh, he may want to make a, a move or two with his roster to secure that RB situation, though I'm not sure he would have been able to get a running back in this draft. You know, there's Najee Harris and Travis Etienne, but based on where Jamal's headed and how his team is performing, he wasn't going to be able to land one of those guys anyway. And even if he were to land one of those guys, I think if Najee Harris and Travis Etienne were in this current draft, 
they still would have been worse backs than Clyde Edwards, Elair, and DeAndre Swift. So maybe the third and fourth RB off the board, and we see how the third and fourth RB off the board are performing this year. You know what I mean? Hey, man, I got the fourth RB off the board. And I really yeah, he, appreciate what he, you're saying right no, now, bro. He, he, yes, he's ass. He's ass. <laughs> so, hey, yeah. At least, I, at least I didn't say, you know, all Cam Akers is the next Saquon Barkley. At least I wasn't saying that. You know what I'm saying? Saquon Barkley missed eight games last year pretty much with a high ankle sprain. Saquon Barkley missed 14 games this year with a knee. Dude, he's ass. Somebody send me five first. All right? That's he another shame. Last year? Well, eight. He played He he played in them, but he was, you know, he was hobbled. And you still got like a thousand yards uh, rushing? I'll send you a first. I got five first for you right now. Yeah, somebody, somebody send me five first. They all got to be in one season. Hey, Elmo, go get one more first and send me the package for Saquon. All right, moving on. <laughs> Danny versus Ray. Ray beats Danny, as I called it, and he moves to a four and two head to head. I don't know why I don't have Danny's head to head noted right here, but I think he's also four and two. Um, nothing really to comment here. We've already been giving Danny and Ray their praise. They're both having a pretty good season. Chris versus KB. Chris wins and moves into sixth place with a two and four head to head record. Chris is benefiting from some scheduling, huh? Uh, and some league, yeah. some league median scoring because he scored above the league median in games that he's lost because he's two and four head to head, but he's six and six overall. Yeah, so I mean, maybe, maybe not, bro. Maybe he's just benefiting from scoring more than the median because mm. he would be like a. I mean, I guess he could benefit from our draft pick if we were just going off his two and four record, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. KB drops to two and four head to head. We'll get into KB's team a little bit later. Rio versus BT. Rio, Rio's having the most meaningless season of all time, Kurt. His, his wins and losses mean absolutely nothing because he, he isn't going to make the playoffs and it doesn't matter if he wins or loses. He doesn't have his draft pick. So I think that's why we've been so stale on Rio's team. I mean, it just doesn't. I mean, he just, keep, he just keeps winning, bro. I mean, I don't, I don't know what to say. Yeah, he's getting lucky. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's taking advantage of a, of a very friendly schedule. He, he moves to three and three head-to-head. BT drops to two and four head-to-head. He's in a similar situation as KB. I think their teams are a little bit better than what their record suggests. Let's get into the week seven preview. Let's talk about the actual NFL preview. The Soldier Boy shootout, shootout, Soldier Boy shootout of the week, Arizona Cardinals versus the Seattle Seahawks. They're going to be a lot of points scored in this game, bro. I hope so, man. And I hope that, you know, Colin Murray is able to keep pace with the league MVP. You know what I'm going to start doing? Uh, I'm going to start getting the Vegas point total, the Vegas over under, so I can really have a better indication of, you know, what the Soldier Boy shootout of the week is. I just chose this one because it's Kyler Murray versus Russ. And then you got a DK on one side, you got Nuke Hopkins on the other side, two pass happy, high octane offenses. Yeah. I like it. Let's get into the actual league matchups for week seven. Cam versus Danny, who you got? Uh, we'll take Cam in that one. We're going to pick Cam. I'm going to pick myself, too, because 
Danny doesn't have future Hall of Famer Jonathan Taylor on his team this week. JK, that kid's garbage. And we have Justin versus Rio. You got? I'm going to take Justin. I'll take Justin, too. It's hard for me. Like, I pick against Justin every week, but I'll also pick against Rio every week, so something's got to give. We got Kurt versus Ray. Who you got? Oh, I'm taking Ray, bro. I think Ray's going to beat me. All right, I'll take the next three, bro. I'm I'm, I'm picking you in that matchup because I don't think Ray's very good. Chris versus Jamal. This matchup is very pivotal. Chris is currently sitting in sixth place, and Jamal is a few games behind. But he's really just a game and a half behind Chris when you take into account the scoring above the league league median. So for that last team in, because I think we're pretty clear on, and we'll get into the playoff prediction, so I won't I won't mention the teams now, but this is going to be important for that sixth seed. So I'm really looking out for this game to see who ends up winning and has more juice. I'm going to I'm gonna take Jamal in this matchup. I don't think Chris's team is very good. Elmo versus Tabron. I'm taking Elmo in this matchup. And BT versus KB. This is also another pivotal matchup that could, you know, kickstart a team on making that push for the sixth seed. I'm going to take KB here, but it's close to me. Hey, even with the acquisition of carry on, you're still taking Elmo. I just want to make sure that trade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. <laughs> Carry on, Daryl Daryl Williams. I mean, what's the difference, bro? It's two points in your in your RB two. Uh, I mean, anyway, let's get into our way too early playoff predictions. So I don't want to hear none of you motherfuckers come to me when a playoff started and say, "Remember when you said I wasn't gonna make the playoffs, dude?" I'm not Nostradamus, bro. This is a playoff prediction. I don't know which one of you bum-ass teams is going to get lucky and make the playoffs. I have no fucking idea. But this is our way-too-early playoff predictions. And, Kurt, I'm going to pull up the bracket here so we can talk about the teams. And as it stands, we can do a mock bracket all the way into the championship. So starting from the bottom up. So we'll start at the sixth seed. Kurt, who do we have as the first team? I'm sorry, last team in, I should say. Who do we have at the sixth seed, last team in? So we got um, Karingas Belton as the, the sixth seed. Kentavious Bartholomew. <laughs> yeah, that's who we have at the sixth seed, man. <clears throat> so he's only technically a game and a half behind Chris. So if Chris loses and scores below the league median and KB wins and scores above the league median – KB will actually hop into that six seed. So he's really one week behind him. And his team absent of injuries and bye weeks is actually much better than Chris's, in my opinion. So let's get into the team we have as the fifth seed. That would be Loray. I think he's pretty locked into the playoff picture as it stands. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree. Um, is that L-A-R-A-Y or is it? L-U-H-R-A-Y. It's L-I-L-R-A-Y. Oh, okay. My bad. Ray. <clears throat> I just, I've just seen it spelled so many ways, bro. I just wanted to make sure <laughs> you, you know. Uh, we call him Lil Ray because he's a little nigga in this fantasy shit, bro. <laughs> All 
All right, at the fourth seed, we got Danny. I think it's safe to say he'll get in. Justin at the three seed, bro. I, you know what's crazy? Nah, I'm not even gonna disrespect. I'm not even gonna disrespect dude like that. At the number two seed, we got Cam. I think I've benefited from a good schedule uh, over the past couple of weeks. I could have definitely <laughs> dropped a, a game or two, depending on who I played. So I think once your team gets fully healthy you're actually going to edge me out for the one seed. I was just looking up across the rest of the season and I think you're going to score more points than me. So I know I'm not going to finish the season undefeated. So I think you'll get the, uh, the one seed while I have the two seed and we'll both get a buy going into week 14. So let's talk about this bracket that I have pulled up. So based on the way things shake out right now, neither one of us would play week 14 and we have Justin versus Ray in week 14 and KB versus Danny week 14. Who comes out of quarterfinals, bro, between Justin and Ray? Bro, I'm going to say Ray. <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. Let me think about that. He'll have McCaffrey back by that, by that, by that time, right? He'll have McCaffrey back, but let me throw something out here for you. Clayful, Clay, Chase Claypool will be fully entrenched into a role by the end of the season, and so will DeAndre Swift, I feel like. Does that change your idea of Ray's team if DeAndre Swift is an every-week starter? Yeah, yeah, because I think I think right now, uh, or at least the past few weeks, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like Ray has benefited from uh, the Chubb injury because he's been playing Kareem Hunt. But true. That's true, true. if – if to replace Kareem Hunt, you have Swift, then I think his team is about the same. Uh, and, well, I think that's about a watch, like, right there. And if Claypool is, like, an every-week starter, fully interested to the offense, um, that's going to be a close matchup, bro. But I I might I lean agree. towards Justin still if, uh, I mean, depending on Julio Jones being healthy. Um, like if everybody's healthy, I'm gonna lean towards uh Justin. I'll say that. So, if we're talking about talent, and if we're, if we're talking, all right, so Justin has the edge when it comes to ceiling and scoring output because he has Deshaun Watson, Christian McCaffrey, and Cook. But Ray has the roster construction advantage, I think Ray can endure an injury because his team is a bit deeper. Ray has three quarterbacks. Justin has one. Drew Locke, as in lock for the Hall of Fame, getting Justin six points. And Justin is without Zach Ertz. We didn't talk about that on the pod, actually, but Zach Ertz went on IR. He won't be available until at least week 11. And I'm not really sure if when he comes back, he's going to be relevant for fantasy. When you go down Justin's lineup, and not to say Ray's is like super impressive, but when you go down Justin's lineup, we have... Deshaun Watson, placeholder Mike Davis for Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and then you got James Conner. After that, you got Dalton Schultz, Mike Williams, Juju Smith-Schuster, a.k.a. Boo-Boo Smith-Schuster, and Drew Locke. (laughs) He's more top-heavy, you know what I mean? But, you know, even if all those guys are healthy, Ray's going to have two solid quarterbacks – He's going to have 
a better second flex option. I mean, these teams are really even. You take Ray, and to make it interesting, I'll take Justin because Justin just always finds a way to make it. Uh, so I think Ray's, uh, Ray, Ray will have a good chance based on roster construction and, and a bit of depth, but Justin will have a good chance just based on the fact that he's really good at setting an actual lineup when it's money time. So we'll see how it shakes out. Let's talk about the second quarterfinal matchup that we have. Danny versus KB. Who you got? Danny. I think I'll take Danny too. I think um, Danny's all hype team is starting to show a little bit of life. Um, we saw DJ Moore get a few targets when, when Curtis Samuel was out, a few more targets. And then AJ Brown, I wanted him to be a bust so badly because Danny used my pick to get him, but he's looking pretty legit. So I think Danny's team will actually get better as the season goes on, though I haven't been very impressed with his team thus far. Let's get into the semifinal matchup predictions. We got Cam versus Justin for, <laughs> for the fourth year in a row. Who you got? You. Yeah, I have me as well. I don't think I don't think there's any chance Justin beats me without a second QB or a second. Uh, solid flex option and the second semi-final matchup we have Kurt versus Danny who you got I'm gonna take me I'm going to take you as well assuming Austin Eckler returns the firepower that you have in your receiving core the firepower that you have in your QB duo and your RB duo healthy with Kamara and Eckler I don't think he has a chance to beat you to be honest so that would leave our week 16 grand final matchup. The two top teams throughout the first quarter, the first half of the year, assuming that they will keep their momentum, will meet in the grand final. Kurt, if we meet in the grand final, this will not only be your first time in the grand final with a chance to win a title. This will be your first playoff win. Do you think you will make it? I think so, but I don't know because I think I should. But I also think, like, there's no way that, like, both of us are just going to, like, just end up in the final as the one and two seed, right? Like, one of us has to lose, don't you think? I think so. There's, <laughs> just, too, there's just too much There's too much luck and variance in fantasy. I mean, it, it's, it's safer because we both, assuming things continue on this path, we'll both have a bye. So we just have less chances to lose. And we just have to win one game to make it to the final. It isn't like me last year. I had to play week 14, 15 and win week 16. So, yeah, it's, it's very possible that I lose to Justin in, in, in the semis, you know? Um, and it's very possible that, you know, Danny could gain momentum and, and, and beat you in semis. I mean, it's fantasy football. It's, it's 50% skill, 50% luck. So we'll see what happens. Call the grand final, bro. Both teams fully healthy. Who you got? The the infamous KOD or the rising star Kirk Cash? Me. I'm picking me. Yeah, I'm I'm picking me. Damn. I mean, you know, uh, if I make it all the way there, bro, I gotta I gotta choose myself. I don't think that I don't. Let's see how how can I put this? I don't know what the matchups are that week. I don't know if I even have enough firepower, bro. But I gotta pick me. I gotta I gotta say I'm gonna win, bro. King of Diamonds. My time's up, bro. I'm just a middling team trying to make the playoffs for, you know, the fifth consecutive year. 
I've, <laughs> I've had my time, bro. I mean, I'm just, I'm only, I'm only going into potentially my sixth grand final appearance. I've only had five grand finals appearances, Kurt. I've only won four of them. I mean, my record's not that impressive, honestly. Four and one in the grand final with all the bread on the line. And I was a Joe Mixon injury away from being five and oh. I mean, I'm only historically the greatest ace of spades GM of all time, and it's not even close. <laughs> but but you're but you're right. There's there's zero chance you can make it and, and lose to me, bro. I'm I'm just a I'm just a grinder, bro. I just try to put myself in the best position possible to compete. That's all I ask. That's all I ask of my team. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. Oh, but anyway. Oh, you're doing a Justin, brother. Fake humble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if 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 you're going to win, it's gonna be this year. I mean, you look at my team through six weeks. I haven't lost the game yet, but I've been blessed a bit. And you look at the context of my team, if you look at the peripherals. I don't have Saquon Barkley. I haven't had Michael Thomas. I traded for Nick Chubb. I don't have him. I've been dealing with a ton of injuries. So if anyone is going to beat this team, it probably isn't going to be next year. So y'all should take advantage while my team is weaker. Let's get into the last couple segments of the show. Let's put a team under the microscope. This should be quick. I know we're pushing up on 55 minutes here. We're going to try to wrap up within the next five. This is the most boring team to put under a microscope, but let's go through the overview again. Each episode over the next 12 or over the next nine, because this is the third one we're going to do, we're going to break down a GM's team, where they stand, how they got there, what their goals were, look at the transactions to see if they made moves to achieve those goals. This week, the team we're going to put under a microscope is our friend, great friend of the show, Chris my brother. Our brother, Chris. This will be quick because Chris is one of the least active GMs in the league. How would you classify Chris's team? He's not on a rebuild. So what is he, like a reload team or like a contending team? Like what is Chris I, trying to I thought about this, bro, quite a bit. And Chris is a team that lacks like direction. That's that's. I think that's the conclusion that I've come to. Because I don't think that any of the moves that he makes points to him trying to do one thing or another. I think he has players that – I mean, and this is the case for every team in fantasy, so this is not unique to Chris, but I think he has players that will be better suited for a rebuild, like Terry McLaurin. Or, and he, has, he also has players that would be, like, suited for, like, a win now, like Derrick Henry. So it's like he's just kind of all over the place in terms of that. Um it's like his team is not really bad enough to say, like, okay, just full out tank and try to get, you know, try to hit on the pick next year. But his team is also not really good enough for him to realistically make a, a push at a championship. So I don't really know what I would do if I was in Chris's shoes. And I think he finds himself in the same position. I'm not really sure that Chris knows what to do with this team at this point. It just seems like, you know, he goes for he goes forward week to week and he's just trying to win games. I, I don't think I think his team I think Chris needs to give his team some thought and decide if he's going to blow it up and, you know, try to do what Elmo and Rio did, like what they're in the process of doing or if he's going to try to make a push for a championship. But I don't realistically see him being able to do that. So that's how I will classify Chris's team. There are only a few GMs in the league who really do things with purpose or on purpose. 
Elmo, Rio, they both want to rebuild. We know exactly what they're doing. Justin, you, me, even Ray, I would say. We don't know we don't know why Ray is is trying to compete this year, but he can get into the playoffs and um and and go three and zero. I mean, we don't fucking know he could, but Ray at least has a purpose. Teams like Tabron is the worst at this. Chris, BT, and you could say BT has a purpose, but his purpose is so moronic. I'm going to say he doesn't have one because there's zero 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 reason that he should be trading away his first round pick for a quarterback when he has zero chance to compete for a championship. Um, but very few teams do things with, with actual reason or direction or strategy. Chris is one of those teams. So let's get into, since we have an ambiguous idea of what Chris is actually trying to do, let's see if we can judge what he's trying to accomplish by his transactions, which are actually pretty impressive. Teddy Bridgewater for $21 in fab. First question, how the fuck did that happen, bro? Um, I think all of the people who like do things with a purpose probably had the maximum amount of QBs at the time. I know I did, you did, like well, not Justin. I think Justin could have probably uh rostered another QB. But uh <laughs> yeah, a lot of people uh when it comes to the waiver shit, they're just asleep at the wheel a lot of the time. That's what it seems like. Uh, I agree. Nick Foles for zero dollars in fab, bro. What the fuck? This dude got two starting QBs in a super flex league for a total of twenty-one dollars in fab, and Justin is sitting here streaming Joe Flacco and Drew Locke. Can you make sense of that for me? I cannot. All right, no. me me either. The first trade that Chris made this season actually didn't come until week four, into week four going into week five, I believe. He acquired Cam Newton, Cortland Sutton, a third-round pick for Carson Wentz and Adam Thielen. I don't like this trade as much as I did when he first made it. I still think it's a good trade. I like Cortland Sutton, and Thielen is, is dust. He would have been in the same situation Rio was in with Julio and AJ Green, but I don't know. Maybe if I knew exactly what Chris was trying to accomplish with his team, I would have liked this trade. I just don't I – don't, I don't feel comfortable with Cam in a, in, a, in a New England uniform. I just – I don't know. But I think Chris had – enough quarterbacks to be able to send Carson Wentz away. So I don't know. What do you, what do you, what do you think about this move that he made? Yeah, I think I agree with, you know, um, looking at Chris as a team, like where we don't know which direction he's going in. It makes, it does make it difficult to assess like the trades that he makes, but uh, yeah, I, w- I would agree with uh, what you said. I I mean, and Carson Wentz was looking, he was looking absolutely awful when he made that trade. So I can understand like why he did it too. Yeah, I think I think if if it were Teddy and Thielen, maybe I would like it better. I just Carson Wentz is under such a big contract for the Eagles. I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. But we already did great the trade, so I won't get into this. I still like the trade for Chris, so I, I I think I side with him on this move from a dynasty perspective. And I think that third round pick is going to be valuable because there's no there's no lock that KB's actually going to make the playoffs, even though we we project him to be in that that last team in. Um, he sent Nick Foles away to BT for, for a third-round pick that could be, you know, a very early third-round pick. It's, it's a pick that could be in the 20s. Um, that was a good trade. And then he sent a fifth for Tyler Eifert. Well, why, why, why did he do that? Man, I, I, I really don't know. Like, I have no clue. I don't either. I thought that was a pointless trade. 
and I would rather have the fifth round pick. I'd rather take like an IDP or some shit there. Anyway, um, overall, for the moves that Chris has made, I think he's made good moves, and I think those waiver wire pickups were pivotal. So we've assessed a letter grade to some of these teams, and similarly to everything else, we give Chris, and I think you can attach this to his dynasty career overall, just give it a C. Chris is average. This is just this is just this is fine for a team that's it's middling. Yep. Yep. Chris is Chris is average. He's he's mediocre. He's he's been that way since uh 2016. So moving on. Let's wrap this up. We're a little over an hour. Should take a few more minutes. Power rankings. Let's look at some of the peripherals. And when I say peripherals, I mean we can look at the standings. We can look at the points for, points against. We can look at the schedule. But let's look at something that I thought was very interesting when I was exploring the Sleeper app. They have something called Max PF, which is Max Points for. That's the amount of points overall you would have had you set a perfect lineup. So let's talk about the tiers in the power rankings. Let's start from the bottom up. Kurt, Elmo is not the last place team anymore, bro, in our power rankings. It's Tabron. Tabron, three and nine overall. His record is starting to catch up to the talent on his team. He has the lowest point output in the league by 100 points, 12-13. It's safe to say he's the last place team rest of season. Wouldn't you agree? I feel like order has been restored. Order has been restored. I agree. I feel a little more skeptical about this just because I expected when Chris Godwin came back and healthy, he was going to be that anchor for Elmo's team. And now that they have Antonio Brown, like maybe there's a chance Elmo stays, you know, with the worst record. But uh, from a top to bottom talent perspective, Tabron is still the worst team. We got Elmo coming in at 11, 0 and 12 record. He just has a better team than, than, uh, than Tabron, though, and he's also dealt with a lot of injuries, COVID stuff, bye weeks, etc. Et so I think he's actually going to finish ahead of Tabron, which is crazy because Elmo literally hasn't won a single game or scored above the league median one time. Rio unchanged, coming in at number 10, 5-7 and seven record, 13-63, max points four. Chris coming in at number 9, 6-6 six and six record, but it's max point four. I didn't finish this, but he's among the league lowest in max points four. This is what makes me nervous about Chris's chances to make the playoffs because I don't think his team is very good. We got BT here at number eight. He could arguably be higher. By the way, that tier that we mentioned, Rio, Elmo, and Tabron, I put them in a tier. This is the rebuilders plus Tabron tier. This <laughs> next tier, Chris at nine, BT at eight, Jamal coming in at five and seven. Um, at the seventh place spot, max points for 1478. He has an underrated team. He's just had a bit of difficulty setting his lineup, which I get because he has a bunch of pass catchers and it's always difficult to predict the variance in wide receivers and tight ends over the week to week basis. That's why he needs a fucking running back because you can just plug your running back into your lineup and know that they're going to deliver you a safe floor. Jamal comes in at number seven. KB comes in at number six. I'm pretty aggressive with ranking KB because he has a 14.83 max point four, slightly over Jamal's 14.78. Uh, 
And just like Jamal, he has had a bit of difficulty setting his lineup, but as he has more clarity uh, with his roster, I think he's going to be able to set better lineups going forward. So we call this tier six through nine, KB, Jamal, BT, and Chris. Kurt, we call this tier the average Joes, tier three. Fitting. Fitting. Let's get into tier two. Danny is eight and four, bro. I skipped over Ray and Justin, but he has a 18, he has a 14, 14 max point four. Max points four for, for Danny is 14, 14. That's lower than Justin. That's lower than Ray. That's lower than KB. That's lower than Jamal. That's lower than BT. Bro. This nigga's the all hype team. <laughs> bro, Danny's the all hype team, bro. Are we too high on this team? Oh, I don't know, bro. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. I don't know. I mean, I yeah. think I think we might be too high on this dude's team, bro. And that, I mean, he that means he set almost perfect lineups. He set really good lineups if he has amongst the the league bottom and and max potential points. And he's sitting here at eight and four. He's managing his team very well and setting good lineups. Anyway, number five in the power rankings is Ray sitting here at seven and five, almost 1,500 max points for. I could easily move Ray's team up above Danny's and Justin's. I just don't believe in it. Justin coming in at number four at seven and five, 1,463 max points for. And the aforementioned Danny coming in at number three again on the power rankings with a 14-14 max point four. I think next week, bro, if Danny struggles again, we'll probably move him down from three to five, bro, and move Justin and Ray above him. This is another tier break. We call this tier two, the good teams. Kurt, any comments on this tier? You know, I, I was reflecting back to our previous segment about the playoffs. And if Danny knocks me out the playoff, I'm going to have to knock his ass out in real life, bro. That's the that's the only solution. That's what I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> oh, bro. Yeah, I don't I don't blame you, bro. I, I don't want to lose to a weak ass team like Danny's, bro. Don't ever try me with a sorry ass team like Danny's. Let's get into the final tier. Y'all know what the fuck going on. Find you something safe to do, bro. Kurt coming in at number two. This could shift quickly, especially if I drop my game next week in my head to head against Kurt, but kept him at number two this week. He's eleven and one overall. Leading score still with 1874 max points for Cam coming in the last undefeated at 12 and 0. My points for 1773, 101 points less than Kurt. But dude, undefeated, never lost. We call this tier tier one, the elite. So we have tier one, the elite, that is Cam and Kurt. Uh is almost uh not almost, there's a 400 point gap between you and the, the, the teams in, in, the, in the second tier. And there's a 300 point gap between myself and the teams in the second tier. So I think it's fair to, to do a tier break right there. We got tier two, the good teams. We got Danny, Justin, and Ray. Those teams are very good. Got to give those guys their credit. We got tier three, the average Joes. This cluster, Kurt, this is going to determine the last team into the playoffs. It's going to be any of KB, Jamal, B, tier Chris. It's that simple. It's going to yeah. be one of them. Then we got tier four, the rebuilders, the front runners for GM of the year, Rio and Elmo. And then the most garbage GM in the league and the most garbage team in the league, Tay Brown. He's, he's, <laughs> we, should, we should do another tier break, bro. It should be the rebuilders. And then Tay Brown should be in tier five. Tay Brown should have his own tier, tier five. Boo boo. Dookie. 
Man, Tay Brown is such a nice guy, man. I feel bad shit on him all the time. But it my is bad, bro. My bad, Tay Brown. I got you can't see me on the Zoom call, but I got the Dewey on, bro. I got the Dewey on. It's Dewey, <laughs> it's Dewey season. I'll be in my disrespectful bag when I got the Dewey on, bro. But um, that's the show. That's the show. We went just barely over by like nine minutes, but we covered so much in the podcast. I'm not really tripping. Uh, Kurt, any final notes before we conclude? Enjoy the extra nine minutes, man. I haven't heard our voice in a while, bro. So, you know. That's true. That's true. We're combining two episodes in this one. But um, yeah, as always, please tune in to our next episode. Uh, we do a week seven recap, usually on Tuesdays, maybe on Wednesday this coming week. We're going to do a rookie report where we follow up once again on the rookies drafted, the rookies of note, at least, that were drafted, and see where those guys are now. There's going to be some talk about Justin Jefferson. There's going to be some talk about CeeDee Lamb. We're going to talk about the running backs and how a lot of them have disappointed thus far throughout the season. Maybe some DeAndre Swift talking there. And we're also going to do some trade reflections. We're going to shit on Justin once more for all the, the terrible trades that he's done so far this season. We're going to talk about some of Elmo's trades. We're going to talk about Rio's trades and just see how those trades panned out for those guys. And um, yeah, that's it. I'm rambling, man. Drop the outro. Holla at you boys later. And remember, it's up there. And it's still stuck there. Peace.